This is a Federal News Network podcast. You work, you retire, you collect Social Security. Simple, right? If only. Actually, it takes a lot of thinking about the optimal time to collect Social Security. Joining me with some of the considerations, federal retirement expert Tammy Flanagan. And Tammy, let's begin with the idea that it's not always wise, as the conventional wisdom says, to wait as long as you can to collect the most. Hi, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me today. And you're right. It depends is the answer when it comes to when should I claim Social Security, because for some people, the sooner the better really does make sense. But for other people who can afford to wait and who might be needing that steady source of higher income later in life, waiting can really pay off in the long run. So there's a lot of different considerations you have to think about before you just do that knee-jerk reaction and contact Social Security and apply. Suppose you're a federal employee retiring at 63, say, which is above the minimum that you would get when you retire at 62, but not what you would get at 65. And suppose your spouse works in another field outside of government. Typical scenario, what would that look like? What might make sense in a situation like that? Well, some of the things I would think about with someone who's eligible for Social Security on the day they walk out the door, but because they're a federal worker, I'm assuming under FERS, they probably have a pretty healthy TSP account as well. Um, And and then you've got the added complexity of adding a spouse into it who might still be in the workforce. So there's a lot of different things playing into this scenario. So one option would be to go ahead and file for Social Security so that that added to your FERS benefit is probably going to cover a lot of the expenses that you have to cover, especially if your spouse is still working. But the other option would be since your spouse is still working, maybe you have the luxury of delaying your application for Social Security, even though you're going to take your first retirement right away. So what I would do is just run the numbers out to see how they work out. And even if it meant that I had to take a little bit more money out of my TSP initially, allowing that wait period between 63 and either 66 or even waiting until 70 could cause a tremendous increase in that benefit. And I'm talking like $1,000 a month more for the rest of my life if I can wait. So I definitely explore the option of waiting, um, but but also not discount the fact that I could file now and perhaps um, that could work out as well. So it's really going to be not a clear-cut decision. Yeah, so the implication there is that your withdrawal rates from your TSP are something you can vary, just as people with IRAs can also vary the amount they take out above the minimum distribution, whereas Social Security, once you start getting it, that's a fixed amount. That's right, yeah. So I I love that comparison, and I also kind of illustrate that in your mind as a seesaw. So if you're going to delay Social Security, now the seesaw is going to dip down and make you take a little heavier distribution from your TSP account. But later on, once you're past age 67 or even as far as age 70, the TSP withdrawals get lighter, maybe even just your required distributions after 70 and a half. And now your Social Security benefit could be well over $3,000 a month. So um, unfortunately or fortunately, because I don't think Social Security was set up to make anybody wealthy, it was meant to keep people out of poverty, but because we have so many people today with retirement savings accounts that are pretty healthy, we do have that luxury of delaying Social Security. And I guess you answered it by implication, but the rules for TSP are fairly similar to the rules for IRAs? Yeah, in fact, the rules for TSP withdrawal, as um, you may have heard or some employees have certainly heard by now, are going to become a lot more flexible this year in September 
allowing people while they're taking a monthly payment to take a partial distribution. So if a big expense comes up kind of unexpectedly, you need to put a new roof on the house, you can take a distribution from your TST without interrupting the monthly payments that you've started receiving. So that's going to add some added flexibility along with the ability to change the amount of your monthly payment from month to month as needed to meet your expenses. So I think that's going to encourage more people to leave their savings in the thrift where it can be a much lower cost to manage it and a lot simpler than moving it out into something uh, privately held. We're speaking with federal retirement expert Tammy Flanagan. And another consideration you're writing about with respect to Social Security is with family members that might need to receive benefits based on your work record. And there's some implications there. What are the chief ones? That's right. Um, So in the case of family members, I'm talking about maybe you have a child, even though you're 62, you may may have a child that you're raising who's still in school, or you might be raising a grandchild, which is becoming more and more common these days. So if that's the case, your children can collect a benefit equal to 50% of your full benefit amount once you claim Social Security. So for instance, I have a cousin who has, uh, at the age of 62, he had a three-year-old and a five-year-old. So when he filed for Social Security at age 62, he got 75% of his full benefit because he filed at 62, but each of his children collect 50% of his full benefit. So the total family benefit is 175% of what he would have received had he waited till he was 66. And those children will collect benefits until they're 18 or out of high school. So that's going to go a long ways towards helping to pay for their expenses as they grow up and maybe even set aside some money for their future college. When spouses have unequal Social Security benefits coming, what should they do? Should the one that has the smaller benefit go ahead and apply earlier or or what? Yeah, so that happens a lot of cases where you have a, a married couple where one spouse is the breadwinner, as I call it sometimes, and the other spouse might have a more sporadic career or maybe didn't work as much outside the home, so their benefits are going to be much smaller. So that spouse who has the smaller benefit, if they're qualified, can go ahead and file as early as age 62, but the breadwinner might be better served to delay their application until even as late as age 70 because not only will that create more family income for both of them, but when one of them predeceases the other, doesn't matter which one, the surviving spouse will take over that higher benefit for the rest of their life. So for a spouse who doesn't have much retirement benefits earned for themselves, that higher Social Security benefit can go a long ways towards providing them more financial security as they get older. And this is not directly related, but when you are getting to be 65, there is the question of filing or at least notifying Medicare that you are getting to be that age, why you have to tell them when they know how old everybody is in the country. That's another question. (laughs) But nevertheless, um, it, it sort of goes along with Social Security application. But there's a penalty if you don't tell Medicare you have a higher premium the rest of your life if you don't tell them before you're 65. Anything like that connected with Social Security? Yeah, it sure is. So so when someone turns 65, assuming that they are retired by then, um, if you have employer-sponsored health insurance, like if you're still a federal employee and you still have health insurance as you're uh, still working, you can delay Medicare enrollment. There's not a penalty in that respect. But let's say that you're retired and your health insurance is coming out of your civil service or first retirement benefit. Yes, you're right. You do need to contact Social Security to sign up for Medicare. 
Now, Medicare Part A is free because we've paid for it through the payroll taxes that we paid throughout our career. But Medicare Part B currently has a premium of $135.50 a month per person. And if you're a higher income retiree, it can be much higher than that premium. So that becomes a big dilemma for a lot of federal retirees because we already have health insurance that we keep for the rest of our lives in most cases. So why do we need to add Medicare if we already have health insurance? And that's always the big question that uh, many federal employees deal with whenever they're approaching age 65. So my recommendation is generally to go ahead and take Medicare Part B if you're retired, but rethink your federal health plan. You know, most of us have at least 30 different health plan choices to choose from in the federal program. So the one that you've been in for the last 35 years may not be the best plan going forward to work with Medicare. Something less expensive that still works well with Medicare might be a much better choice. Tammy Flanagan is Senior Benefits Director at the National Institute of Transition Planning. As always, great advice. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Listen to the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 